to A Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and this is episode number 27. Today I want to talk to you about weathering a storm, whether that's a literal physical storm causing blizzards or hurricanes or loss of power, or whether it's a pandemic like the COVID-19 that's keeping us isolated and indoors as I record this in the late winter, early spring of 2020. Or sometimes it's some kind of relational or emotional storm that's wreaking havoc on your personal life, a job loss, a relational breakup, a serious illness or accident. Whatever the case, something has rocked your world, and life is not proceeding as normal, at least temporarily. Here in rural North Idaho, we're pretty much forced to be self-reliant year-round. While some scoffers laugh and call us preppers in a derogatory sort of way, North Idahoans, for the most part, tend not to panic because we've already got a good supply of toilet paper a pantry lined with canned goods, etc. This is not necessarily because we're expecting the apocalypse at any minute, but because we live in a remote mountain region. Storms can brew up at any time, roads can be washed out, and some of us live many miles from a town or even a highway. This past weekend, for example, on top of concerns about the spread of COVID-19, we experienced a major snow and windstorm that knocked out power to thousands of local households, including ours. Falling trees damaged many houses and even injured people as they sat in their homes. We were fortunate, as it could have been much worse. But that sort of thing is pretty typical of our neck of the woods. So that said, it's not as if we have a lock on how to do preparedness right and I'm putting right in air quotes there. There is no one correct way to be prepared. It's just that being prepared is more or less a normal way of life for us. Information and misinformation abounds on how to prepare to hunker down during a crisis, so I'm not going to repeat all that here. It's widely available from the CDC and other reliable sources for those who want it. What I want to share with you here are some ways people of the past, our grandparents and our great-grandparents, weathered the crises of their day. After all, they made it through the privations of two world wars, the Great Depression, and plenty of life's ups and downs between then and now. And they didn't have the communication or mobility access we have today. I thought they'd have a few words of wisdom to offer, some sparkling vintage suggestions, if you will, for weathering any storm. First, a disclaimer. I am not a doctor or a medical professional of any sort. I am not a theologian nor a psychiatrist. I'm sharing with you some ideas from decades past that helped people conquer their fears and muddle through. So seek your own counsel, consult your own professionals, Choose those ideas that work for you and leave the rest. So here we go with 
12 Sparkling Vintage Ways to Tackle Tough Times. Number one, people of the past leaned on their faith. If you're a person of faith, remember that God is in control. Now, this is not a religion podcast, and I don't aim to make it one now, but I've also made no secret of the fact that I'm a Christian, and I firmly believe that whatever the crisis, God is ultimately in control. He's the one who created the universe and keeps it spinning, not the governments, not the leaders and lawmakers and experts, but ultimately God. That does not mean we don't listen to experts and leaders. We certainly do. But ultimately, we trust in God. Don't be too proud to get down on your knees and ask him for help. If you want to find peace in this topsy-turvy world, it's what people have done for millennia to find true peace. For those of you who say you never have time to read your Bible, now's your chance. You've been given a gift of time. Pick up a Bible or a Bible app on your phone. If you're new to reading the Bible, don't think you have to start on page one and read all the way through. You don't. I suggest starting with the Gospel of John and the Book of Psalms. Just read it. And as you read, ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand who God is and who you are and who Christ is and what he did for us. Think about the words you're reading and what they mean. The thing is, if we never go through tough times, we will never grow stronger. I'm reminded of the often told story of the moth struggling to break free of his chrysalis. If you see the moth struggling and you try to help him along by opening the shell for him, his wings won't develop normally. It turns out the process of struggling is necessary for his wings to strengthen. Take away the struggle and you take away the strength. So it is with us. God gives us challenges so we'll grow in strength, depend on his strength to get us through. He also designed us to live in community, to help our neighbor and to accept help when we need it. I'll say more about that in a minute, but my number one suggestion is to remember that God is in control and remind yourself of this always. Number two, speaking of strength, get some exercise. People of the past did not need to be told to do this. They got a lot of exercise in their daily lives, performing manual labor or household chores without the abundance of labor-saving devices we enjoy today. Studies show that physical exercise burns up stress-related chemicals, helps you think more clearly, bolsters your immune system, regulates your energy, and helps you sleep better. These are all things we need during times of trouble. I'm not normally one who gets excited about exercising. I'm about as unathletic as they come. But I do like the way exercise makes me feel. So I'll go for a walk or bounce on my rebounder or dance to some tunes just to get the blood flowing and to lift my mood. During this time of pervasive illness, you may want to steer clear of the gym or the public pool, or you may have to skip it if these facilities are shut down. But there are plenty of exercises you can do at home. Go for walks or runs or use simple at-home equipment like a rebounder or hand weights. Your own body weight can be effective for strength-building exercises. Look on the internet for videos demonstrating exercises you can do at home. 
or do what I do. Put on some music and dance around your house. Number three. Another way to build muscular strength might be to do some of those chores around the house that you've been meaning to do. If you live in the northwestern U.S. like I do, you might have well spent the last weekends shoveling snow. If you live in a warmer climate, do the yard work and the mowing, prepare the garden for spring planting. Hang laundry on a line outside the way Grandma used to do. That'll give you both exercise and sunshine. Sunshine is a powerful mood lifter and also a, a natural disinfectant. Number four, speaking of sunshine, spend time outside in nature. Our ancestors got outside a lot more than we do. Sunshine, fresh air, and exercise are all very good for you. In the cities, find a park to walk in. Feel the grass under your feet. Watch the clouds go by overhead. If it's springtime where you live, watch for those first buds, for the shoots of early flowers as welcome signs of hope. If you're headed into fall in your part of the world, enjoy the changing colors, the nip in the air that can be bracing and energizing. So suggestion number four is to get outside as much as you can. Number five, eat properly. Our bodies were designed to eat good, nourishing food, minimally processed. Meat, fish, vegetables, fruit, lots and lots of water. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you what constitutes nutritious food. In times of stress, it's tempting to hunker down with your favorite snack foods and comfort foods to make yourself feel better in the short term. But unfortunately, doing so will make you feel lousy in the long run and won't help you keep up your strength or your immune system. So number five is to eat properly. Number six is while we're on the topic of food, if it's spring where you live, think about starting your garden. Digging in dirt and watching things grow is incredibly beneficial for your health and your mood if it's fall where you live, put up a harvest of healthy food to get you through the winter. Try canning or dehydrating or freezing food. If the skills of gardening and preserving food are unfamiliar to you, maybe use some of this forced isolation time to study up on them. Maybe order in some seeds or some canning equipment. Above all, be thankful for your meals, even if they are by necessity very simple or not quite to your liking. Now is not the time to be super fussy, but to be grateful for whatever food you have. Earlier generations might have said, um, think of the children starving in Europe if you were leaving food on your plate. I always thought that meant you were supposed to pack up the food and mail it off, and it's not. It's, it meant, Think of the children around the world who do not have enough to eat and be grateful that you have enough, even if it's not your favorite kind of food. Earlier generations also prayed before meals as a matter of course, but many of us today have fallen out of this practice, if we ever had it to begin with. So take time to thank God for the food and also thank whoever got it for you and prepared it. And if that person is you, be thankful that you have that ability. Number seven, be a good neighbor. 
God didn't design humans to be loners, think about what living in a community means to you today. In these times when we're encouraged to keep physical distance from one another to avoid spreading germs, stay connected by phone, text, FaceTime, Skype. Write old-fashioned letters to one another. What a thrill to get an honest-to-goodness letter in the post. Ask those who are elderly or caring for small children if there's some way you can help them. Maybe run some errands or share some of your food or supplies with them. If they need help with some task and you can safely help them without putting yourself in too close proximity or other danger, do it. At the very least, make the call, send the card, write the letter. Often it's a great help to people just to know someone is thinking about us and cares enough to contact us, especially when we live alone. Number eight, get your rest. Sleep does all sorts of wonderful things for your body, including building up your immune system. If you search online, you'll find an abundance of tips for good sleep hygiene. Of course, our ancestors didn't have to worry about too much blue light or screens from their phones. But sleep was still sometimes an issue. I'm now going to read you a passage I found in a 1925 edition of the Campfire Girls Handbook. It says, When preparing for sleep, remove all your clothing, as it has been absorbing the impurities from the skin all day, especially the clothes worn next to your skin. Hang up your day clothes or place them on a chair where plenty of fresh air can get at them. Wear night clothes that do not bind or press against the body at any point. Tight bands and strings may impede circulation or cause disturbed sleep. We hardly need to add that you should not go to bed before you have opened one or more windows in your room. You need fresh, cold air. If you are fortunate enough to have a sleeping porch, use it by all means. Be sure the bed clothing is warm and of lightweight material. Heavyweight clothing weighs the body down and does not invite refreshing sleep. That was advice given to the Campfire Girls in 1925. It still holds true today for the most part. So suggestion number eight is to get your rest. Number nine, if you're stuck at home, think of some creative, old-fashioned ways to amuse yourselves. Take a page from the generations before you who didn't have TV and video games. Read books, play board games, try out some new card games. Talk to one another. Practice the art of conversation. Do puzzles. Make up stories. Go for hikes. Do crafts. Make cards for people who are housebound. If you need inspiration for things to do, read some stories or novels that are set in earlier times. What do the characters in those stories do for fun? In the Little House books by Laura Ingalls Wilder, what do the Ingalls family do for fun? What do the Waltons do for fun, if you're familiar with that series? Maybe take a cue from them. Number 10 is to sing. Singing is good for the heart, the soul, the mind, and it even strengthens the lungs. Sing along to music videos or MP3s. Teach your kids some old favorite songs you remember from your youth. 
Writing in 1942, in the depths of World War II, Marjorie Wilson wrote, Singing is the soul's expression. It cleans out the corners of the heart and doesn't let stale emotions pile up. If you can't sing for fear of disturbing someone or being conspicuous, then sing in your mind, thinking the actual words and tune. Sing new songs, old songs, hymns, national anthems, football songs, arias, swing, anything but sing. A singing nation has heart. Those are some wise words from Marjorie Wilson in 1942. Recently, we've seen the power of singing in action in the tremendous videos of people confined to their homes in virus-ravaged Italy, singing to and with each other from their balconies. If you haven't seen those inspiring and heart-lifting video clips, they're worth searching for on the Internet. I'll try to um, link to one or two of them in the show notes. Number 11, if you're stuck at home, learn and practice some useful skills, especially old-fashioned ones. I've already mentioned gardening and food preservation, like canning, but there are so many others. Learn to cook from scratch using raw ingredients. If you're already an accomplished cook, you can still experiment with new recipes. During the pandemic, we're not eating out as much or at all, so avoid food fatigue by learning new recipes. Learn how to make yogurt or sourdough bread or homemade cheese. Learn to sew or do woodworking or carpentry. Study a foreign language or some other topic that interests you or that will be useful to you in your work or your life. Do those things you always say you never have time to do. If you're isolated at home during the pandemic or for any other reason, you've been given a gift of time. Use it wisely. And number 12, clean something. This one always works for me when I remember to do it. If your mind is out of sorts, if you're having trouble concentrating on anything, step away from the news media and go clean or organize something. One drawer, one cabinet, one tabletop that tends to attract clutter. There's something about putting things to rights, making them neat and clean in a tangible way, seeing them come to order right before our eyes that untangles our thoughts as well. You don't have to tackle a whole closet at once or, heaven forbid, a whole basement or garage. Just take one sock drawer or one tool kit at a time. Listen to music while you work or to an audiobook or a podcast, something cheerful and uplifting. Avoid the doom and gloom. As your hands put things in order, your spirit will rise. Isn't that what traditional spring cleaning is all about? Well, that's it for today. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay warm, my friend. If you have questions or if you have some other suggestions for how to survive and even thrive through tough times, shoot me an email at jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at sparklingvintagelife.com. I'd love to hear from you. You are not alone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review at Google Podcasts or 
Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And I'll be back soon to discuss another aspect of A Sparkling Vintage Life.